Welcome to the latest word from the church at Severn Run. Our church is located in Severn, Maryland, and is easily accessible from anywhere in the D.C. Baltimore area. You can subscribe for regular updates or check in weekly for the latest information by using our website, severinrun.com. Thank you for visiting. And now, today's message. All right, so here's the deal. Um, we need to begin every service baptizing uh, new believers who've committed their life to Christ, okay? So the easy way to do that is lead your friends to Christ. Deal? All right. All right, today I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. And the house lights are coming up. You'll be able to, to read. Uh, if you're reading a paper Bible, if, if it's electronic, bring it on up. Matthew 11, Verses 1 through 11. And I want to ask you, if you would, please to stand in the honor of the reading of God's Word. Go ahead and bring the house lights up just a little bit more for everybody. Um, and uh, today, we're going to be dealing with a topic that often isn't dealt with in churches. It is the topic of doubt. And, uh, and we're going to, going to be looking at one of the, the most, well... No one in the, in the Bible has received higher praise outside of Jesus than John the Baptist. And yet, John the Baptist struggled, questioned, and doubted. And maybe if God affirmed him in his struggle, maybe today God has something to say to you. Let's read together. And after he had finished instructing his 12 disciples... Jesus went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, John the Baptist had had an amazing, effective ministry, um, preaching the coming of the Messiah out in the wilderness. And people had flocked from Jerusalem to hear this prophet speak the truth of God. And for his trouble, for speaking the truth, John was arrested by Herod Antipas and thrown into prison um, and, and, and John knew that his death was near. So John sent his disciples, after he saw what Christ was doing, to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. And blessed is the one who does not fall away on account of me. This is an important detail um, to, to divide the, the conversation at this point, because Jesus has something to say about John that, that he says intentionally after John's disciples have left so that this message does not get immediately back to John. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak uh, to the crowd about him. Why did you go out into the desert to, to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear fine clothes are kings in palaces, in kings' palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, and I tell you more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way for you. 
I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. You may be seated. Father, I pray today that you would, that you would help us to be real. And Father, that you would help today to, to change how we see faith, how we see life, how we see ourselves on this journey. I pray that we would leave encouraged, determined, and God closer to you than when we walked in uh, to this gathering. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. What I want to share with you today primarily is about what it means to trust and how we deal with doubts and fears and questions. And the truth is, I believe with all my heart that struggling through doubt is the heart of trusting. It's the heart of what it means to trust God. Not that we live in the absence of, but in the presence of doubt, in the presence of questions, struggling through those towards Jesus Christ. We are expressing the highest heart of, of faith. <clears throat> Believers throughout the centuries, from the early church fathers, have talked about something called the dark night of the soul. And I don't use the term in any kind of technical sense, I use the term because it's, it's so relevant that any one of us can immediately say, oh yeah, <laughs> I've been there, I've done that. And unfortunately, some of us here would say today, I am there, I'm in that. And the dark night of the soul is that, that time when God seems to be in eclipse, when the promises of God seem so far away from the realities of the moment, when, when God seems so distant and so absent, it is as though you were living in a God eclipse, and in that dark, it is cold, and it is death-dealing, and you feel alone, and you feel flawed, and you're wondering, is it God? Is there a God? Is it you? What's wrong with me? But certainly, this can't be right. Guys, I want to share with you that everyone experiences a dark night of the soul. Hear me, all you who are followers of Christ, everyone who's committed their life to Christ, you need to know that doubt is a normal part of the Christian life. Put another way, it's an inevitable part of broken people discovering and entering into eternal life while passing through a very broken world. Last week, we talked about the reality that that the movement of the story of humanity is in four parts. Creation, the fall, redemption, and restoration. And we are living, again, not in Maryland and not in heaven. We're living in the middle of the battle for redemption. And what you're longing for, what you're looking for in terms of perfection, in terms of, of absolute rightness in all facets of life, that's called the restoration. And it's coming Heaven is coming, to be sure, but not yet. And so we call this the Christian faith, not the Christian certainty, not the Christian fact. I want to remind you that the God who is could have revealed himself in any number of ways, and God could have done life in ways that didn't require faith, but he didn't choose to do that. 
Because our God values love that is freely chosen and love that is freely given and love that is forced is not love. You cannot force someone to love you. And you cannot overpower their will um, and, and, and make them love you. That isn't, that's twisted. That's dark. That is, that is not free. And so God requires free will. Real faith requires free will. And true free will requires the ability for there to be real choice. For our free will not to be overwhelmed by God's infinite glory, it must always be possible for you and I to choose a world where there is no Jesus. And, and I want to, again, explain to you that in a day that is to come, when the glory of God is revealed, it will not be possible to choose a world where there is no Jesus. In that day, when the glory of God is revealed, every knee will bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In that day, there will be no longer any room for, for questioning about the truth and the reality of, of Jesus as the Son of God, the Savior of the world. But in this day, in this day we live behind the veil, through the glass darkly. It's, it's kind of like the sun. Any of you all remember the sun? Anybody? It's that bright yellow thing that, that shines. And at this time of year, often in normal times, it provides warmth upon the land. <laughs> and you can walk outside, and though we love the rain, it is not every day after day after... I'm sorry, I'm, I'm in a rut here. <laughs> we live some distance from the sun. But if we were near the sun and above these clouds, if we were only a thousand miles closer to the sun we would be consumed by it. The sun is so much larger than the earth, and, and I continue to be astonished as like how that thing can burn day after day, uh, you know, week after week, month after month, year after year, millennia after millennia. How can it give off that much energy in every direction and, and still, you know, not burn up? You know, if, if you compare the power of the sun you know, which is a speck of dust in the universe, to the glory of God, to be near it is to die, to be overwhelmed, overcome. And for you and I to be near the glory of God, unveiled, unfiltered, unhidden, would be for us to, to literally, um, in one sense, we, we would die. But even, even you know, in, in another sense, we would, we would not be able to have a free will because we would be so overwhelmed. God veils himself in this world then so as not to overwhelm. He reveals himself in this, worry, this world through the story of one man. God's infinite glory. God's eternal, unending, 360 degree, before time, in time, and after time glory. Revealed in Jesus. And faith... Faith is letting the story of Jesus be bigger than, than the story of life to you. It's letting Jesus be bigger than your pain. Jesus more real than the darkness that you feel. It's, it's allowing Jesus Christ to be the light in your darkness. That's what real faith is. We, we think sometimes faith is having no darkness, having no struggle, having no pain. No, real faith is struggling through doubt struggling through doubt towards Jesus. That is the heart of trusting. 
But sometimes the experience of life just seems so much bigger, so much more real than the promises of Jesus. And in cultural Christianity, we learn to be dishonest and pretty unreal uh, pretty quickly in our lives. The God of Scripture is a God that never leads us to pretend. One of the things that makes me just convinced about the reality of Scripture is just how, how people in Scripture are just revealed warts and all. I mean, Noah, after, after landing you know, in the ark, gets drunk and is lying naked in his tent. Uh-oh, my hero is not like that. David, um, you know, is, is committing adultery uh, with a woman and then murders her husband. Well, I, if, you know, if I'm writing the Bible, I'm kind of editing those parts. And Jesus, my superhero, when he's on the cross, he's not going to ask any questions. He, he's God. He has all the answers. He's not going to cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the very fact that the Bible is so real and so raw and so human and so true is one of the things that convinces me that this is the, the revelation of God. This is, this is truth. So how is it that we become so plastic in, in, in gathering as church? Brian McLaren says, he says, I think sometimes our churches are like California, built on the San Andreas Fault of suppressed doubt. And we have this idea that to be a real Christian means that I, I've got it all together, that I'm not hurting, that I have answers, that, that, um, that life is good because God loving me means life is, is okay. It's, it's not a struggle. Guys, I want to just be honest with you and just to say I've, I've been through many, many seasons where my soul felt in total eclipse of God. I've been in seasons where honestly it's like, God, I'm not going to take my life, but I sure don't want it. And if you take me this afternoon, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that. There have been seasons where in my life, you know, um, like Every one of us is, is created differently, turned differently. Every one of us has different points to where, you know, we're, we're weaker in and other areas we're stronger in. For me, having come from a very broken um, family uh, where I experienced just lots of, of, of empty and lots of, of abandonment and lonely, one of the ways that, that, that Satan uses in my life is like even in our marriage. Marsha, I've been married 36 years this, this July. Um, thank you. Should I say thank her? Um, and and I, 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 I just want to give you like 30 seconds of brilliant marital observation. Men and women are so different. Y'all get that? I mean, seriously, um, like even morning and night people, it's like in 36 years that I've been like talking with people about marriage, I've only ran into one couple, and I'm sure today there may be somebody here, but in every couple, somebody's a morning person, somebody's a night person. How crazy is that? Why, why these differences? And so sometimes, you know, 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night, Marsha will want to start some deep conversation. And I'm going, what? You know, I wipe off the drool. Are you kidding me? And here's, here's how I finally ended that practice. Honey, let's get up at 5.30 and we'll talk about it then. You know? But, but in those times where Marsha and I are just missing each other, in those times where, 
where, where, where life becomes a struggle and it's a new season of adapting and growing and learning and recommitting because that's what marriage is. Marriage is the art, just like life, of, of starting new over and over and over again, of choosing to love. Sometimes, with pain with her or, or in pain with my daughter, that family pain sometimes you know, exceeds all the other pain in life and it's just like God is nowhere to be found. And things get so bleak and so dark. And sometimes, you know, I get to the point where I doubt God. Most of the time, I get to the point where I just doubt me, which is another Satan's, ta of ta Satan's tactics. You know, well, I know God is good, but, but I am not. And I am so broken and so bad that why would he have anything to do with me? So I want you to know... Um, as a bona fide, um, you know, rev up here, you know, who walks on water and, um, and has no problems or anything else. Um, no, I, I want you to know that I'm, I'm just a person like you. And, and there are some times where I'm right there with Nancy Beach. She is, is a worship leader at, at uh, Willow Creek um, and one time she just walked out onto the stage and the stage went dark and one light came down on her and she just simply confessed in a very vulnerable moment sometimes I have to remind myself there really is a God I'm there Chuck DeGroat talks about dark nights and he said dark nights provoke deep questions deep deep questions guys as followers of Christ in the example of scripture don't walk away from your questions read the book of Job if you want to see how questioning is held up with God <laughs> God can handle your questions and he will answer but deep questions deserve deep answers. And so often we throw off shallow answers um, in, in the face of the deep. We, we throw off shallow answers. When we had a miscarriage, um, it was really a terrible experience. They, they set Marsha, um, when, when everything is really you know, coming home, that we're, we have lost this child, they set her in a chair and us right beside a room where they were doing a fetal heartbeat after just having told us that we had none. Somebody says to us, you'll have another child. Well, we didn't. Don't say stupid stuff to people. You know? Don't give shallow answers to deep, deep pain. I know we all want to do that. We all want to fill in the space. But sometimes the truth is, the deepest answers are found in a holy silence. In seasons of brokenness and just listening in the presence of God. So I'm not saying don't give answers from the Word of God. I'm just saying don't give shallow answers. Dark nights are, are both spiritual and psychological. They are spiritual. And you have an enemy who is out to destroy you. He feeds on your pain. Your tears are his drink. He is intelligent. He is strategic. Um, he watches. He is not all-powerful, so there's no reason to be afraid of him. I'm just saying let's not be naive. We have an enemy who is actively at work to trip us up, bring us down, to literally destroy us and, and laugh at us. Have you ever been tempted to do something? Anybody ever been tempted in any way, shape, or form? If your hand ain't up, 
All right, now have you ever done something that you were tempted to? Right, you know, you're, you've done something, okay, now, now from this point forward, no hands, no hands. <laughs> so you do something that Satan tempts you to, and then after you do it, then what's the voice that comes back in? You idiot. How, how dumb could you be? You worthless person. It's like, but you just told me that this would be great and awesome, and, and, and it's not, you know? That's, that's your enemy. That's who he is. There is a profound spiritual basis for the dark nights of the soul, for those seasons of struggling, for the times of questioning where we don't have all the perfect evidence that we will have one day, where we're looking through the glass darkly. There is, there is a very spiritual and, and eternal you know, um, you know, uh, game being played out here. But the reality is also, there is also psychological elements to that. And, and you can't deny that. Mother Teresa, when she died, her diaries were discovered and people, so many people were just shocked at the depth of her struggle. She lived her whole life in the dark night of the soul. And so many people were questioning, well, her faith, I guess, wasn't real. And it's like, oh my gosh, are you, are you nuts? The truth is struggling through doubts is the heart of trusting. You want to know what trusting looks like? It's going through your doubts. Winston Churchill at the dawn of World War II said, when you find yourself in hell, keep going. Our scripture says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. But there are times when you are in the shadows and you are in the valleys and it is so dark that, that your soul literally is being leaked of life. Sometimes, sometimes that is not just spiritual, it's also psychological. Sometimes you're just depressed. Sometimes you need to deal with, with the psychology of, of where you are and not spiritualize it away. Well, I don't believe that psychology, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, godless stuff. I'm, I'm saying that the truths of how God made men and women. Well, I just, I just don't believe in that. Well, do you use medicine of any kind? Do you use aspirin? Well, don't tell me that you're not going to avail yourself of, of all the truth that God has revealed about the complexity of, of creation. Don't be embarrassed um, to deal also with uh, the psychological side of things. The dark night provides great opportunities for very deep growth, and some of the deepest growth of your life will come from your faithfulness in some of the hardest times of your life. Have you ever noticed that we're really never proud of anything easy. But it's all the things that are hard that we are most proud of. Bad things happen quickly. Good things always take time. If somebody walks up and hands you a college degree, you know, um, after you, you, you graduate from high school, um, you don't have anything. You work for it for four years, well, maybe you got something. Struggling through doubt and knowing that God does not condemn you for doubt. How did, how did God treat, um, how did Jesus treat John the Baptist in his doubts? That's the second part of that story. He didn't say, you know, I cannot believe that, that, that you of all people are, are questioning me. You see, John the Baptist was, was you know, uh, Jesus' cousin. And, and, and the scripture tells us uh, in, in Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 41, that before he was born, John the Baptist recognized Jesus. He knew who he was. 
when Mary walked in and greeted Elizabeth, both are pregnant, John leapt at the mention of Mary's name and of Jesus. That baby recognized the Messiah was in the room. When Jesus was beginning his ministry, nobody's really clear on who this guy is. Even his disciples, you know, they're hoping that he's a rabbi, but they don't know that he's Messiah. John looks across the way and in John 1.29 says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What clarity, what understanding. And then when he baptizes Jesus, John sees a dove come down and set on Jesus. John hears the voice of God affirming, this is my beloved son. John had a clearer picture of who Jesus was than anybody. Fast forward. And there's John in prison. The ministry he had in the desert where thousands were coming to hear him reveal uh, the, 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 the will of God and to function as a prophet of God, those days are over. I don't know what John uh, visioned as his end, but I doubt this prison was it. I've been in several third world prisons, and I just want to say you, you don't want to be there. I do want to note I was visiting In one of those prisons, um, in one in, in, um, in you know, well, a, a South American country, um, if your family did not bring you food, you didn't eat. They didn't give you anything in the, in the jail. You're on your own. Here is John. He cannot see the stars. His... Hands are bound 24 hours a day. His ankles likely were bound. They made him intentionally uncomfortable. It is dark. It is damp. There is no toilet in, in the place. He is never let out for exercise. Day after day, John is now in the dark. And, and his end, he knows, is going to be at the blade of Herod Antipas. And the simple truth is, that you will come to a place or have been in a place or are in a place where the pain and the dark and the apparent distance of God are so deep that you will struggle and you will question and you will doubt. God does not condemn you for that. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, uh, there is no one greater than John from all the, the people who've ever been born of women, which is pretty inclusive. Struggling through doubt is the heart of trusting. You just got to keep going, keep moving, keep turning towards because you see the reality is there is a doubt that is a falling back and a dying off and a turning away from Jesus. And then there is a doubt that is a fighting forward and a coming alive and, and a struggling to, to see Jesus and to, to move towards Him. But if you experience real pain, you'll never mature to the point where you do not doubt or question the Father. John the Baptist was, was mature and he knew and yet he said, are you the one? Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, did not sin when He on the cross quoted Psalm 22 saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did He do that? Because that's how He felt. That's what was real. 
And he wasn't going to be self-dependent and self-reliant. He wasn't going to keep his pain inside. He modeled what authentic faith looks like, and that is a heart given towards God. Whether it is shouting, whether it is praising, whether it is crying and screaming in anger or desperation, it is a heart that is directed to the Father. And that's a model for us to live in real life. We'd all like an emotional touch to heal our doubt. God, just to come in and, and touch and, and immediately, you know, we have this spiritual high and we're good and the problems evaporate and it's a sunny day and we can sing, you know, uh, some happy song. But the highest expression of trust is simply to turn to Jesus and take Him at His word. And that's all that Jesus gives John. He sends his disciples. He can't go himself. Is my hope in Jesus in vain? Have I, have I missed it? I, I didn't think I would end up in this place. I didn't think it would end like this. I didn't think it would be this hard. I, I didn't know that, that the message would be shut down so effectively. I, I had no idea life would turn out like this. Is there something wrong? Are you the one? Or should we keep on looking? Is there some other hope? to place your life in other than Jesus. And Jesus simply said, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Do you know what Jesus gave John? Scripture. It's Isaiah 35, 5 and 6, which says, And when the Messiah comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. And in the presence of pain, Jesus offers John the truth of Scripture. So guys, here's how to struggle successfully. Accept struggle as part of the journey. Don't think it's strange or odd that you're having to struggle. It, it, it's, it's, it's not strange. It's not odd. It, it, it is an inevitable part of your redemption journey. Don't expect to be bigger than Jesus or better than John. Struggling is not a sign of failure. It's not even a sign of weakness. Giving up is a sign of weakness, but not struggling through your doubts. It's not a sign of God's disfavor. I'm just telling you, for many of us in here, there should be this just collective sigh of relief. We should be going, seriously. Secondly, stay in community with God's people and God's promise in Scripture. Don't isolate. When, when the, the dark night of the soul happens, you, what we want to do is we want to withdraw and we, and we want to turn away, but what we need to do is stay engaged. Stay, uh, you know, in relationship with the friends of Jesus. Let them walk with you. Stay in the Word of God. I'm just telling you, that's the first thing that Satan will do when you are discouraged. Is he will keep you from the promises of God. But what you need to understand is that Jesus is the issue. And the Word of God will take you right to Jesus. And something will happen when you're struggling. 
When you make Jesus and not the pain your issue, something happens. When, you know, we, we get to that point where our pain, which seems as, as big as the sun, our pain suddenly in the presence of the glory and the infinite majesty of, of Jesus and, and God and, and, and the anticipation of, of the restoration of heaven, our pain begins to shrink down to the size of a marble. And it's not our pain and our trouble that is so big and overwhelming, it is our Savior. And the Word of God will come and and bring rescue. And the hope in Jesus will will change your perspective in your life. It will give you hope. And you will be able to to struggle through just as Jesus did on the cross. On to the resurrection and on to glory. See, the goal of God is maturity. A faith that leans on the infinite glory of Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. That's God's goal for your life. That you trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. That the issue of your life is not your spouse, it is not your child, it is not your finances. The issue of your life is not your health, it is not your past, it is not the fear of the future. The issue of your life is Jesus. And turning to Him, He becomes your foundation, He becomes your trust. And though you struggle, you struggle forward in faith successfully. That is the heart of trusting Faith that leans on the infinite glory of Jesus Christ towards eternity. A faith that is not trapped in broken emotions, locked in one moment of time. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, all of your heart, all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. You and I cannot understand the scope and scale of all that's around But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to become one because because trusting him will change your life and your destiny. If you're struggling and falling away from Jesus, I want to challenge you today to struggle and walk towards Jesus because he will change your destiny. And that's the miracle of God's love given in Jesus. The name given whereby every man and woman and boy and girl in the world must be saved. Thank you for joining us today at the church at Severn Run. Please visit our website at severnrun.com for church service information, staff directories, or for prayer requests. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore area, we'd love to have you join us at 8187 Telegraph Road in Severn, Maryland. We look forward to worshiping with you.